show for another week. We're the show that's getting you over the game line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. Whether you're listening to us on Eon Sports Radio or directly through our podcast feed, we're thrilled to have you. Thanks for joining us. I'm Reg Roberts and joining me as per usual are Matt Rowley. How are you, Matt? Good, mate. Good to be here. And Hugh Cavill. How are you going, Hugh? Uh, I'm okay, Reg. I'm okay. The big week. It has been a bit weak, and I think we're all just emotional that the Test match versus India has just completed. It's been a, uh, a bit of a knife edge for the last little while. So forgive us if we're you know, still coming down from that uh, that emotion there. Look, on the show tonight, um, and he, he's been politely silent so far, but he's joining us. He is Mr. Fantasy Rugby Draft, or um, at least you know a big part of that program. Bruce Wilkinson, how are you, Bruce? Very well, Reed. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for joining us, and just we know we've picked up a few English fans out there, um, and this is going to spin them out, because it's three Aussies on the show, and you're the only one named Bruce, you're the Kiwi. Absolutely, I'll do my best. I appreciate it. Now, this is one I'm going to, uh, Bruce, you don't have to get involved in this one, but this is one specifically for Matt and Hugh, and lads, the Force currently sit on top of the conference, you know, following on their win over the Reds last week, and a good win it was too, um, but I think we should mark this special occasion by perhaps extending an olive branch of some description. So my question to you guys, fellow East Coast elitists, what are you going to do to help the reconciliation process with our Western brethren? Matt, have you got one, mate? Yeah, well, obviously, uh, we've talked about changing the name of the podcast to the uh, West Coast Elitists Boys Club. Um, like it. For a, num- for a number one. Um, the other one that I had was to take the quokkas off the protected speed <laughs> list. Because we know that every now and again, the Force Boys, you know, they like to let their hairs down, let the hair down. And, uh, you know, quokkas can get in the way. So I think we should take that out, you know. Get that right out of the way. Let the guys go for it from now on. So that's my uh, that's my olive branch. I'm going to see if I can get that done for them. Lovely, Matt. I think that we greatly appreciate it. Hugh, what about you, mate? That that was mine. I <laughs> <laughs> was I Corker related too. <laughs> well, you know what? Well, I think in the interest, of, I think to, uh, in a similar vein, Matt. I think. Given that all we think about when it comes to the Western Force now seems to be Quokkas, I think I'll, I'll give them. I'll give them an opportunity to uh, give themselves a new scandal. Yeah, just go out and just go out and, and you've got a bit of a have a bit of a free for all, guys. Yep. And um, and uh, yeah, I think we can give you a pass because um, yes, certainly if, if all of our minds instantly goes to quokkas, we might need to yeah, might need to have some on. other. It's a, yeah. it's a shallow well. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard to it's do over there when you've got to pay when you got to pay eleven dollars for a beer as you do in Perth. It's it's it can be it can be pretty pricey to to, uh, to have enough to uh, really cause trouble. Mm. Yeah, it's like that movie The Purge. We're going to give them twenty four hours just to get it out of their system. Doesn't have to be quokka related this time, but just get it out of your system, guys. Yeah. Look, from my mine's pretty basic, guys, and, and I I'm, I'm just going to reference from all game times from from now on are going to be listed in West Coast uh, time. So. None of this Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. It is all West Coast time, just for the benefit of them, uh, as they are the, the heart and soul of Australian rugby. Yeah, oh, I've got one more actually. Um, yeah, g- going to have a fourth back rower um, because you know <laughs> the force of war. It's got so many, and uh, yeah. yeah, the game plan seems to hinge on it usually. Although I should say not this year. They've got a spectacular backline. So, but uh, and, I, 
Look, I've got another one too, and, and I know they always complain about losing their big stars. But well, he's going to keep going. Have... Well, he's going to keep going on this. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just tell me again. They, they can have one of their big names. They can have James O'Connor back if they want. I'm more than happy for them to have Doc back there. Look, look, we should get on. And Bruce, look, thanks for putting, putting up, up with us. I did, I did have a quick question for you before we get stuck into our five burning questions, mate. As I said, you are one of the men behind fantasy rugby draft game, which is a, a, a wonderful game um, uh, to help complement the rugby season. My first question to you specifically about this is: How's your fantasy rugby team going this this year so far? Uh, yeah, it's not going quite as well as I envisaged. I took a little bit too much advice from some bloke on a green and gold rugby <laughs> podcast. So I've stacked my team full of uh, Aronis, uh, Simone and Parisi. <laughs> Parisi. He'll start this week versus the Crusaders, mate. Just bear with That's him. That's what mate. I'm banking, mate. That's what I'm hoping. No, it hasn't been too bad. It hasn't been too bad. It's been, it's been a really fun, fun week, uh, fun couple of weeks if you're full of hurricanes and a fill of chiefs, put it that way. Yeah, exactly right. All right, now we're going to get stuck into it. So we've got our five burning questions tonight. And the reason we've got Bruce on here is because there are some really relevant questions going on in Australian rugby at the moment where we thought it was worth a, a different voice and, and indeed a different accent and get a bit of that Kiwi um, a perspective on things. So just to run through it, our five burning questions tonight are, is anyone interested in Aussie local derbies other than the fans of those teams involved? So question two, the Sansar decision is happening. I think it's this Friday. Uh, what do we think should happen or will happen? Question three, uh, which is the Australian team most likely to beat a Kiwi team this year or, or perhaps the next best chance? And then question four, and we won't bear Bruce through these ones, but what are the Wallabies most under threat given their early season form? And I guess on the flip side, who are the up-and-comers that have caught our eye this season? But, but we want to go straight to that question. And, and Bruce, I'm going to come straight to you this one. Aussie derbies. I mean, we Aussies, I, I think we used the New Zealand derbies as a bit of an antidote, but we do enjoy them across the board. And I think the um, the Chiefs-Blues games this round actually outrated the Brumbies Sharks mm. game. Um, so the Aussie derbies, do you guys have any interest on them? Putting away your fantasy rugby interest, do you have an, Kiwis have an interest in watching those games? That's what I was going to put a little bit of an asterisk there as well. I think that the people that are watching are fans of the teams and fantasy managers. But stand with the question. It's probably not. It's probably not the reason you think. And it's nothing to do with any kind of perceived lack of or diminishing quality of the Australian franchise or rugby altogether. I think it's more to do with if you watched or had the time to watch a, a Waratahs Reds game 10 years ago and you have the time in 2017, you're probably going to watch it as well. It's just the difference being in 2017, there's so much more competition for your eyeballs. You know, you're sitting on your laptop, you're watching a million things, you've got Twitter open, you've got the big screen, you're watching Game of Thrones on demand, you're doing a thousand things that you weren't doing five or ten years ago, and that something's got to give, and for the average New Zealand fan, that's likely to be one of these kind of peripheral super rugby matches. Now, I will say that the Aussie derbies aren't high on the list of, of games that I would cull in a super rugby weekend, in fact, they're only halfway down the list, I find them, I love them, I think they're great. Mm. Obviously, there's some exceptions to the rule this season. For instance, I won't be jumping out of bed to watch Force Rebels, for, as an example. But um, I don't think I would have been five years ago as well when, when I was watching, say, the, the fourth and kind of fifth teams go at it. Um, I think I will. I think we'll get on to this, but I'll, I'll kind of save my pitchforks and uh, hate yep. mobs for, for other aspects of for Super Rugby. I don't think it should be laid at the, the Aussie Conference. I enjoy them. Um, of course, I'm going to be on a South African podcast tomorrow, saying the opposite. <laughs> Say the same. <laughs> 
All right, mate, what about you, mate? I mean, what do you think? Obviously, a strong Waratah fan, but did you bother watching the Reds in the Force, and were you? Uh, did it give you any entertainment, enlightenment? Mate, yeah, I, I watch these because this is our best chance of getting an Aussie victory. Uh, <laughs> obviously not guaranteed, though. Uh, we seem to be doing a good job of almost getting him to draws. Um, look, yeah, I did watch it, and, yeah, it wasn't the worst game I watched the weekend. Um, it's got to be said, like, you know, watching the Rebels just not turn up in New Zealand, yeah. I thought was really disappointing. Um, and then I was pretty astounded to actually see Nick Sturzaker just kind of shrug it away at the end. Um, mm. uh, but, yeah, look... I don't know. I actually think we've had worse derbies. I mean, you know, even you know the Waratahs force um, only a little while ago. You know, only the last couple of seasons were absolute shockers. Um, yeah. You know, they were just grunge fest. I think at least the Australian teams, you know, we've got more attacking intent. I think the force were a really good sign of that actually um, last Thursday. Uh, but uh, look, I can't deny though it's. I don't know if it's the Derby question. I mean, um, oh, what's his name in uh, oh in the Australian um, the journo there? Uh, Wayne Smith. Or? Yeah, Wayne Smith. Um, he wrote a really interesting article. I think it was the back end. Uh, well, it was actually I think just um, on, on the weekend, just sort of saying, you know, when was the last time you kind of you know woke up um, on a Sunday or Monday morning after a weekend of Australian Super Rugby, you know, with a smile on your face. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's more the fact that we're just getting absolutely tailed up left, right, and centre outside of that. Um, let you know, rather than the fact that it's like such a dirge between our own sides. Um, so, yeah, for me, that's more of the problem. Is just that I don't feel like we seem to be very competitive, and we seem to be being left behind, rather than you know the derby is such a shocker. Interesting one. So, what about you, Hugh? Do you think there's a, a difference in standard or? Or, you know, do the, do the other games have more appeal to you? Oh, look, I, I think um, it, it differs year to year, broadly, um, given what teams are strong and what aren't. I mean, I think in terms of the Aussie derbies, I mean, and, and we're looking for this across sport, but any game with, with a meaning and, and with a history behind it, I think people tend to gravitate more towards. And, and that's why um, I think Bruce summed it up pretty well, that... that the Force and the Rebels just aren't on that because, you know, they were created within the last decade. They just don't have that background, that history that, the you know, the Brumbies and the Reds and the Waratahs do where there's a sort of a, a longer history of, you know, of, of matches and, a, and um, a bit more of a grudge match between between those sides. It's, um, you know, it's just a bit more for the, for the fan at home to cling on to and there's, it just feels like the games have a bit more meaning in them regardless of where the teams are on the ladder. Um, and look, I, I think um, broadly speaking, the, the, the broad trends I think in terms of TV ratings and crowds are that um, you know the New Zealand teams tend to tend to rate pretty highly when they, when they play each other, and then when they come to Australia, and and unfortunately it seems like South Africa have become even more detached than what they have been previously, and and even and when they come to town, you just have no idea you know who they are, what they are, yeah. what they're doing, and so I think that's why I think. Um, People have sort of detached a little bit from those games, but um, yeah, look, look, the Aussie derbies—they're um, good and bad. I mean, I, I wasn't, you know, blown away by the Reds Force game, but but um, you know, sometimes they can they can produce pretty good ones. So, look, I think again this year it's going to be that Waratahs Reds, um, Waratahs Brumbies Reds Brumbies will be the be the the three big ones, um, and they'll all be competing for second place behind the Force because uh, that's that's <laughs> where we seem to be going. 
But uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's that history, that tradition. Yeah, it's interesting. So I watched that Force Reds game, and, and it's pretty frustrating. And, and I've got, yeah, absolutely part of that was the fact that I'm a Red supporter and the Reds lost, and were not only lost, but were terrible. You know, they, they were really average on, 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 you know, after their first round win, where they were fine, they weren't, uh, you know, outstanding. So uh, I think a lot of this question was phrased around that. I thought that was a terrible game, and it, it probably doesn't give the Force that credit. And, you know, I thought about it, and they did play very well, particularly that three-quarter line, the Meeks and, and Rona and, and um, Chance Penny, uh, who I think we'll just talk about a bit later. But it was interesting. I went back and had to look at some stats, and I wanted to combine, uh, compare just this year, so it didn't go too far back. So it's, it's only been the five games, but the local derbies, the Kiwi local derbies and the, the Aussie local derbies, just to see some sort of comparison. Probably, to be honest, expecting to be blown away by... Uh, any number of things that just in terms of the outstanding um, stats these New Zealand games are presenting. And to be quite frank, they're all pretty the same. The stats are all the same. I, I thought, you know, the, the Force Reds game, the stats would just be, the, the errors would just be insurmountable. And, and there were, there are 72 errors. But to be honest, in the Chiefs-Blues game, there were 69 errors. In the first round Highlanders-Chiefs game, there were 72 errors in that game. So it, it wasn't any different. Actually, the Waratahs Force game had the least number of errors. And ball and play stats are all pretty similar. Um, points, they're all pretty similar penalties. The big difference is just ball carries. You know, the Kiwis carry the ball a lot longer. They do a lot more passes. They keep the, and they keep the ball and play a lot longer. They're less likely to take it into rucks and walls and, and do those one-up hits. So, yeah, I mean, statistics don't really prove any case other than um, perhaps a bit more continuity in the Kiwis' play. And, yeah, you know, I, I think the New Zealanders have this perception that they, uh, they're far and above and the Aussies team can't rank. And when they match up against each other, as we, we've seen through the Rebels and the Hurricanes and we may see on Friday night or Saturday night when the Reds play the Crusaders, is a difference there. But the derbies are still tough and, you know, beside the odd occasion... They're good bloody games, so you know I'd I'd like to think we uh, we can uh, see more of them. And I think that might be something we we'll, might build a competition over in the future. Mm. Um, look, let's get into that. Let's look at that future, and, and, and because we are on the cusp of uh, some big decisions, and I don't know if we'll exactly get the decision Friday, but we know that uh, I think uh, Brett Robinson, who's the deputy chair, and Bill is places for this big Sansar meeting on Friday. You know, reports in the paper today, Blocker Dutton, our friend of the show, Blocker Dutton, is reporting that the Aussie super teams have been told they're not allowed to sign anyone that isn't a Wallaby uh, until we get clarity from the Sansar meeting. So it, it's big times in terms of um, what might happen. Bruce, there's lots of speculation in Australia about cutting teams and all that sort of stuff and looking elsewhere. You alluded to some, some thoughts on this. What, what do you think the model of super rugby should be? So I guess there's two angles to it, right? What, what will they do and what should they do? Yeah. Um, and it's big as gold trying to figure out what Sansa will do. They've got yeah. a wide range of spectrums. They've come out with some astounding decisions thus far, so I'm not going to even try and second-guess what they will do. What I think they should do, and this is obviously just one man's opinion, is um, I think they need to take a hard look of, of what they've introduced in terms of the teams that have come in. And who was it? Was it Clive Woodward that said... Um, once you make a mistake, don't make another mistake. Because if you make another mistake, that could turn that first mistake into a catastrophic mistake and you lose the game. So don't compound your mistakes. And I get a little bit of a feeling that Sansa should just look at who they brought on in the last, t- last round of teams and go, was that the right thing to do? 
and, and do they have the fundamentals underneath them to actually be a decent team looking forward? And, and when I don't, I'm not necessarily just looking at results, right? Because we can all look at the Kings and Sunwolves results and see the big scores that are put up against them. I look a little bit deeper than that, and I look at fundamentals. Like in Japan, is their player base committed to playing for the Sunwolves? And you just have a look yeah. at the salaries in the J League to know that that's not going to be the case, and it's not going to be the case for a long time. I'm I'm a big fan of of Japanese rugby, and, and I think the Sunwolves have, have certainly added a bit of colour to the to the competition. But until they get that parity, or even close to parity in wages, the Sunwolves aren't going to be strong. Mm. And 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 the the Kings have a kind of a flip side of that, where um, they have a decent player pool and they have a fairly decent commitment pool um, of of young kids coming through and off and off cuts from from other teams coming across. But their back office is a mess. It's run by Saru at the moment, I believe. I believe oh, it's right. yeah. that. so That's just not a, a functioning business, effectively. It's not a franchise that can last. So I just think Sanzar need to take a good review of that, look at the fundamentals and say, look, maybe we just shelve you for a couple of years and you can come back in about four years' time once you've proven that you can you know, pass these kind of fundamental tests and then join Super Rugby again. Because as, as Hugh alluded to, um, the Rebels and the Force, they've got some pretty good infrastructure now. And they've got, I think I saw a read an article about the, the Rebels owner was talking about how it's the, the second biggest advertising market in Australia. So th- mm. there's, a, there's a reason why that the ARU would want and Sansa would want a team in Melbourne. And, and pe- people are jumping up and down about them being culled. I think it's very short-sighted because they were ninth and 10th the last couple of years as well. So I think there's further further afield that you can lay your, uh, lay your blame if you want to look at the decline of Super Rugby. Yeah, interesting, Hugh. That's a, it's an interesting one. I mean, the question becomes, yeah, what, what we think should happen and what will happen. And you know, I get a feeling they're going to be pretty soft. I mean, they haven't. The, you know, Andy Marinos, CEO, and a strong South African influence. I can't see too much dramatic output coming, particularly within those South African conferences. Uh, what's your thoughts? It might end up being a bit of a steering competition, to be honest, between especially us and the Saffirs, because <laughs> yeah. you can't see you can't see one cutting teams and not the other, you know, because yeah. uh, ultimately they'll just point at the other person and go, well, if you're not doing it, then why should we? Um, and I think there'll have to be a bit of a mutual agreement between the two parties because, um, you know, look, we've, we've gone over this last week and I don't want to rehash over old ground, but, you know, it, it's going to have to be a, a bit of a... You, you think if any if one team goes and probably three teams go, you can't just see them just cutting the sunwolves and dusting their hands of it and, and 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 I get the feeling and I don't know if Bruce can fill us in a bit more about the feeling over there in New Zealand, but that the, the worms turning in New Zealand too. I think previously because of the success of that those teams, they've sort of you know I think I feel like there's been a skepticism about Super Rugby for three or four years in Australia, which was sort of being put down to, well, our teams aren't very good and, and once our teams start winning again, we'll, we'll come back around to it. And and it's clear that that's not going to happen and it's not going to happen anytime soon. So, you know, uh, it, it appears that the, the appetite for, for change has also crept into New Zealand as well. And, and I mean, as I do know some Kiwis that I speak to about this, but also I saw that um, Sam Neill, the actor, <laughs> tweeting, tweeting about, about, you know, how... Super Rugby's lost him because it's too confusing. Um, and I think, yeah, those sort of um, voices of, you know, essentially uh, peripheral fans and, and people that have some sort of profile, well, that, that counts for something, you know? And, and it shows you that, um, that 
that that maybe that that previously Australia was probably a little bit isolated in thinking that we need a change, but but now I think it might be um, a, a bit more widespread that view. Yeah, I'll just chime in from a New Zealand perspective. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Rich. Um, you go. I, I agree. I, I don't necessarily think it's just because of the the lack of competition in certain teams and how competitive and running up big scores and almost effectively having a bye week. I think a lot of your average fans do find the the structure confusing, especially when I think last year that the Crusaders got such a bit of a stiff in the year before where they had to go to the Stormers and play when the Stormers had, had lost a lot more games than the Crusaders and didn't have any, mm. any points. So I think a few people are scratching their heads in that respect. But but I will say from from my perspective, I've got a very long memory. I'm a Crusaders fan. We were last in 1996. Mm. So I'm very, very conscious of making sure that you look at not just results and letters to make sure that you make the right decision. Bruce, what about, I mean, some of the extremists over here have suggested, you know, let's cut South Africa, let's rebuild in a trans-Tasman tournament. Uh, you know, is South Africa an important opposition to Kiwis? Yep, I think yep. they are. Um, I think um, there's whispers a few years ago when I think Sanza might have been doing a, a, a new deal with maybe Supersport or, or something like that, that... Yep. They, they were fishing to go into the Europe competition. Look at the Super Rugby teams, maybe go up to even Aviva or the Top 14 or, or that type of thing. But I think that was more of a negotiating tactic. It's tough for New Zealanders and, and South Africans just from time difference. Yeah. Um, but with the advent of On Demand and, and Sky Plus and etc., it does make it a lot more accessible and you can have a cup of tea in the morning. So, no, I think they are still a very important part and, and it's great to... It's great to see that different type of rugby when you go over there. New Zealand um, is in the depth of winter a lot of the time, and when you see a lot of the teams go over there, it's a lot of the time it's quite dry track, so it's quite an attractive match. Matt, what about you? Do you get a sense of what might eventuate this weekend? Do you think it'll be a bit of a fizzle, or do you think we'll see something dramatic? Yeah, mate, look, I, I, I probably don't have too much to add there, and I don't have much inside track on it, I, I must admit, um, is that I just I can't see Marinos changing anything. I don't think you'll, you know... He, I can't imagine he'll be putting any Safa teams up. I mean, and, and so I think his his uh, appointment is a bit of a disaster, actually, from that perspective, because mm. that's basically mm. going to sandbag the status quo. So we're not going to see anything change there. I mean, just hopefully they just don't double down on it and uh, start announcing, you know, the, sort of the, the next... USA and stuff yeah. like that, yeah. The next places to expand into. Um, I don't know, yeah, because just, it just seems to me we're in a... I, I, I just think, you know, Pulver and those guys just must be sat there at the AAU going, my God, what are we strapped into? Because, yeah. you know, I know that the Super Rugby franchises are all just bleeding because the only thing that was keeping them going was gate receipts and now that's disappeared as this competition is just slowly grinding that out. So, you know, and then now you're at the behest of TV and the only thing keeping TV going is the fact that, the you know, BT in the UK was at a bidding war with Sky. So, you know, it's not local eyeballs that's driving this uh, or keeping this thing, you know, afloat. So mm. it just looks to me like it's, you know, it's heading to somewhere really, really bad from that perspective. And because it's it's not generating value in itself. It's, it's not, you know, more people aren't watching it and more people aren't going to the games in the markets that it it's in. Um, so, uh, you know, if, if I'm wrong on that, someone send us in and let me know on the numbers. But, um, you know, I don't see it. I only see um, attendances and viewership, you know, dropping. 
And Matt, do you think there's any link to that to the Australian team? So I, I guess what I'm saying is, is should we keep five because it, it, it produces more content and we get Perth with their, um, you know, their, their beneficial TV time, their broadcast time, we get Melbourne because of you know, the good market down there and, and that's what we need. We need more content for the competition or should we be cutting a team because um, Australia doesn't have the depth and focusing on performance um, and trickle-up effect into the Wallabies and, and, and better performance there. You know, which way should, do you think we should be heading? Well, look, as I understand it, just about every one of those arguments is a nonsense because, yep. um, first of all, none of it's on free-to-air, right? Yeah. All of it yeah. is on Fox. So this whole thing of it puts you in a different advertising market or whatever else, well, only within the thimble full of people who, who, who are watching Fox anyway. So it doesn't really expose you to these other markets and then the second yep. one is i don't see it knocking i mean look and again oh my god we're just going to lose I've, I've changed the name to west coast elitist and i'm just about, <laughs> i'm just about to lose it already but look you know I, I realize it has progressed rugby in perth um i'm sure it's also progressing rugby in melbourne you know more than it was but you know what's the realistic what are we expecting here i i think the vision when perth started was it, it was going to turn rugby into a you know, ideally, you know, to bring it to be competitive versus, you know, at some stage versus AFL, surely. And is that what the plan is in Melbourne? I, I, what's the real end game here? On any measure, I don't understand how this thing is winning, maybe apart from talent, but we're struggling here. Like, give me a measure of this thing, well, is, this thing is winning on. Well, but then you look at what Andrew um, Cox, the uh, owner of the Rebels... Um, is saying in today's Herald, which is basically, well, you know, the AU can cut us if they want, but I don't think they can afford it because, you know, reading between the lines, they've, they've entered into stadium deals and facilities and this consortium that owns the Rebels of basically the Imperium Capital Group, um, which sounds like the villain villainous <laughs> franchise from a Bond movie. Um, you know, it sounds like Hans Gruber CEO. You know, um, you know um, is that... I think the AU are going to be on the hook to pay these blokes a big fat sum of money if they cut the Rebels because they've gone into all these deals, um, you know, with the t- with the vision that the team's going to be a long-term thing. So that's just another hit that the AU are going to have to face yeah. um, if, if they want to go down the road of cutting teams. So that probably does put the force out in the cold, even though I think from a number of standpoints, I think they're much better placed than what the Rebels are. Um, to, to sort of be more sustainable as we go forward from a talent base, from a fan base, and from a from just a general rugby base because already this season we've seen, you know, the gulf between yeah. between what the Rebels are and what the Force are, I think, is pretty, is, is pretty wide. Yeah, well, that, that, it doesn't matter, though, without... because, I mean, take, take, take Cox, what Cox says with a grain of salt because later in the article he says Tony McGahn is doing a great job. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Discredited himself within a matter of paragraphs. <laughs> All right, look, um, yeah, this is God, one, God yeah, knows what have... happens if they get 40. Yeah. Well, I think they've already got the uh, victory celebrations planned for the bye this weekend, so they're, they're looking for to, uh, a successful weekend. <laughs> don't, jump, down don't jump the gun, guys. <laughs> <laughs> look, this is something we've discussed for a while and we'll obviously discuss more, but it'll be interesting to see what comes out this weekend. Let's let's move back onto the field Um and it's been, uh, as it has been for a few seasons, a, a tough start to the season for the Aussies. So the first round, the Blues beat the Rebels and the Crusaders uh, beat the Brumbies. And then just the second round, uh, we had uh, obviously the Hurricanes smashing the Rebels again. Um, 
and uh, then the, the South Africans. But I guess Bruce coming to you again is you're looking for the Australian, the America, uh, sorry, the Kiwi teams are again doing well. The Australian teams are struggling against them. Who do you think is going to be the team that most likely uh, will will beat the Kiwis? Who, who can beat them for the first time this season? Uh, it kind of hurts me to say this, this Reg. Um, it's it's that loud and proud. It's probably the Waratahs. Yay! Um, oh. And the reason I say it, it hurts me is because I sat in the stands in the 2014 final and it's taken me three years of therapy to get that penalty of Andre Craig Gibbs out of my head. We've got a rule. We don't bring that up when we've got both Hugh and Matt on the show. It just leads us down a, a, a like hole. Got a rabbit hole, do you? Right, yeah. sure. Yeah, um, exactly. but, but a serious note, that they, they have yep. superstar quality. They've got world-class players in their team. They have a, a similar outlook on, on how to play the game as a lot of the Kiwi teams, um, and they're clever. But but ultimately, they do have the players um, in their arsenal to be able to challenge New Zealand teams. But in saying that, I don't. It's it's round two. I know it's a lot of doom and gloom in Australia around the teams at the moment. But you know, let's not just get ahead of ourselves. There's been some big scores yeah. run up, but you know, there's a long, long season to go. Yeah, indeed. I. I thought you were going to give the Reds some credit for Saturday night, maybe, when they take the Crusaders <laughs> at home there. Particularly if rumours are true that Digby might be starting for the Crusaders. Anything there, you know, Bruce? That's right. No, apparently he will be. Uh, that's the story I have as well. He's, he's, he warmed up for the Knights last week, which is their development squad. So he's back on the paddock, not oh, out of the teams, away from the mirrors. I'd say the Reds ticket sellers will be very happy with that. That might help get a little bit more through the crowd. Matt, what about you? Who do you think the, you know, the Aussie team most likely to down a Kiwi? Well, look... I I love Bruce's um, answer, obviously, and it's great to go back and let's just revisit. <laughs> no, look, uh, I'd, I'd love to go with that. I don't know. I'm a bit yeah, with the Waratahs and last weekend really didn't fill your heart. And then obviously we've got this whole thing, which is real, real worry about Bernard Foley. Oh, um, so because that um, the, the, the sort of the uh, centre pairing, that um, sort of inside centre pairing there at the moment just looks very young and sort of no idea how to get itself around the park. Um, you're starting to realise how important Foley is to the whole game plan, you know, especially, um, you know, linked with Phipps. So, yeah, geez, I hope he's well because uh, everything kind of rests on it. Look, I guess I hark back a bit to last week. I mean, the Brumbies came bloody close, mm, um, mm. you know, in Christchurch, right? So... Um, you know, and I, I thought even though there was a bit of a heartbreaker on the weekend, I guess we'll come on to this, I thought there was some interesting signs from the Brumbies there. So, um, yeah, if not the Tars, I thought, um, you know, I thought the Brumbies, they they got within a score already. So um, maybe they could take it one step further. Yeah, I think that's a good call. They're, they're probably mine. I mean, putting aside, I think the Reds will do a lot better this weekend, but I'm probably not quite comfortable enough to tip them out yet. But looking ahead, I, I thought the Brumbies are the team. And, and in fact, just I, I went a bit anally and went, went through the draw, and they play the Highlanders in round five. And I think that's the game next most likely where uh, an Aussie team can do well. That same round, the force take on the Crusaders, but it's over there at Amy Stadium or AMI Stadium. So that'll be a challenge. But um, yeah, Brumbies, I think, uh, should be good enough can, if they can get that halves sort of quite working, um, or at least improving. But that's a similar challenge of the Waratahs, but they're my pick. Hugh, what about you, mate? Um, I'm not super high on the Brumbies yet. Um, I, I, I've got to wait and see. They haven't won a game yet. They were okay against the Sharks. Um, they started well, and you thought they might run away with it, but actually the Sharks, who, who, are, who are a decent team, um, 
pegged pegged them back. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards what Bruce was saying. I think and and trying to take off my my um, Waratahs had as much as I can. That said, I think they're still the best team, um, and I think. Um, that'll that that'll be borne out as the competition wears on. Where um, you know a scratchy game in the wet against the Force, and then going over and playing the Lions, who you know last year's runners up um, at home in South Africa without uh, their nine and ten, and without Will Skelton, without a few key players. Um, yeah, look, I, I think still once they get those pieces back, they're going to be the hardest team to beat in the Australian Conference, and um, and. Yeah, so look, I think if any team's going to challenge a Kiwi team, it's going to be the Tars. Yep, fair call. Uh, it will be interesting to see, and like we say, the Reds are the ones that have the next chance. We'll see that weekend, and we'll have a chat about those games soon. But uh, we're going to say farewell to Bruce, and, and we know it's quite late over there in New Zealand, mate. We really appreciate you giving it time, and obviously uh, strongly encourage anyone who's not playing fantasy rugby draft to have a look, because it's, it's an all-season round one now. It's not just super rugby anymore, is it, Bruce? No, that's right. Yeah, in- indeed. No, thanks for that, chaps. Have a good call. Thanks, mate. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, Bruce. See you later. All right, then let's move on to our next. Let's Aussie centric this back into green and gold rugby uh, focus and look in different form from some of the key wallabies going on. I, I wanted to ask a question, uh, Matt. We'll go to you. Who are the wallabies most under threat at the moment from their uh, two rounds, acknowledging but their early season form? Uh, mate, look. Um I don't want to disappoint my followers, uh, so uh, <laughs> I, I probably need to talk about Quade Cooper, don't I? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, look, I, I, he's he's obviously not settled in yet, has he? Uh, he's looking at his kind of scattergun. Uh, I don't want to say worst form, but you know, it's just it's all a bit headless chook at the moment. I'm not quite sure he seems to to have settled in. I, I don't know if you know if he's he's missing Will. Um, who I think used to take a lot of pressure off him. Um, not that you know Nick Frisby's a bad player, but you know he's obviously not quite Will Gagne. It's a different type of player, isn't he? Yeah. You know, and so I don't know if that whole thing's clicked yet. Um, I don't know if it's the way they're trying to. He, they're not giving him that amount of time in the pocket, um, or, or you know, and he's not standing as deep in the pocket. Um, no. I don't know if that's putting a bit of pressure on him as well. So yeah, for whatever reason, I mean, the whole it's not like the whole team's you know it's all, not all down on him, right? So. Uh, maybe the pack's not doing what they need to do. I don't know. But um, he's not doing himself a lot of favours. Look, another guy I'm going to kind of um, spread, cast my net to there as well is, because um, I realise he's not exactly a solid wallaby, but he's been talked about that way a lot. Nick Sturzaka isn't blowing me mm. away. Um, no. Everyone, including Hugh especially, um, was, you know, was um, kind of really talking him up last season, and I felt that, you know, oh, well, for one buddy podcast, the start of the year. Yeah, oh, and, um, he just kept going. It's a dangerous game. Him, right? You're playing a dangerous game here, Ali. He kept going <laughs> on about him, um, and so, uh, <laughs> but uh, and look, he's captain of that side, and like I just, I mean, I'll take out the after match uh, interview. I think he was probably just being quite unguarded, I guess, which maybe we should praise. But I just, you know, interesting, you know, really strange decision making. I thought throughout that match and. Kind of got rattled. I'm, I'm really not sure what was going on with him, but um, there you go. There's a, there's a couple of guys have caught my eye so far. Yeah, the Quaid one's interesting, isn't it? Particularly, I mean, we, we just don't know how serious Bernard Foley is, um, and there's real concern. I mean, we wish him all the well, and hopefully he, he's back playing soon, but if it's a, a worst case scenario, we might see him out at an extended time, and Quaid's not up to test standard at the moment by any means, and you've got a couple of Kiwis running around for the Rebels and the the um, Brumbies, it, it leaves our fly-half stocks quite 
thin, although John Lance is playing very well over the force, but something to watch as the season develops. Yeah. Hugh, what about you, mate? Any Anyone that's uh, concerning you? Um, oh, look, again, uh, I suppose Matt's got Quaid um, as his sort of broken record player. I think mine's <laughs> probably starting to become Stephen Moore because I, I look at him and I go, I, I don't particularly see... Um, a Wallaby captain there running in this running in at hooker for the Reds, and yes, it's a new team. And look, I'm willing to give everyone a bit of time here. I'm not I'm not going to go too hard yeah. on any one or any team at a given point, um, especially not the Rebels because Tony McGann's doing a great job down there. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's it, Stephen Moore's a, a little bit uh, worrying. Now I think if the Force keep playing Tatafu on the bench, the guy that he's going to have to worry about is Tolu Latu who mm. keeps playing well for the Waratahs. Um, Israel Folau's been very quiet in the first two weeks, and I think that's... I was going to ask you, can yeah. I ask a question? Is, is he a lay-down reserve? Is he an automatic selection for Wallabies still? I mean, mm. you know, we've got Dane Hallett-Petty, who is playing, and he was fantastic for the force in the weekend, particularly when John O'Lance went off. He came, stepped up his game and, and really took control of that force back line with Ian Pryor at 10. Um, and you've got Karevi playing damn well at 13 and uh, still, and Kurandrani playing well. Is, is Falao an automatic selection for the Wallabies still here? Yep. Yeah, he is. Okay. Well, uh, let's I, ask I, I, five. <laughs> no. Uh, look, I, I just think it's there's still... You've just got to... We have so few genuinely classy players in... in in um, Australian rugby, and he's one of them. I still, be- I'm still a big believer in him, and I think we forget how good he was against England in those mid-year internationals last year, and 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 how good he can be. And look, I think his his main problems is he's just starved of the ball. I don't think he makes mistakes or that many mistakes. He just he just is anonymous, and I feel like that's a part of the problem with the Tars. You know, the, where they do these backline moves, but I feel like just get it, get the ball in the hands of your best player. I mean, go back to the under tens sort of strategy. Just give the ball to the to the to, to the best player. Which is what um, the Reds so, do sometimes. Reds get a bit tricky sometimes. Then all of a sudden, when that, they did versus the Sharks, it wasn't working. Then it went back to Plan B, which is give it a Samu. And you're yeah, right. I think yeah. the Tars need to do a bit of that. Yeah. yeah I mean, so I, I think they're probably the two for for mine more for Lau, the two sort of bigger ticket players. And I've got to say, the third one's David Pocock because he's been anonymous this year. <laughs> yeah, barely even seen the bastard. Yeah, but um, look, can I just chime in on Izzy? Look, the, the one thing I have about yep. Lau is I think if you just look at his attack, you say, um, you know, even his bad attack, he's still drawing, you know, you know, two or three players in defence. Um, he's he's always a handful. He's making you know, space for other people. But I do have a question mark over him in defence, positional defence at fullback. Um, and the problem is I know absolutely stuff all about that. Um, mm. But um, some people who profess to know a lot more about it than me, I have, I've seen people talk about it and, and um, almost kind of conspiracy theorists um, because you don't, you don't often get a lot of footage covering what's going on back there, right? But I've seen a few people around the site especially sort of, you know, really get stuck into it and say, look, why is it that, you know, yet again, you know, you know at the back, there's, you know, there's no one there or Falau's not covering or he hasn't read the kick or whatever else. And, you know, it's quite a specialist rugby position, that one. Um, takes a lot of reading of the play. I mean, if anyone was watching the Crusaders game, you would have heard the commentators talking about how because Dag wasn't playing at fullback, and there was a young guy there that the Crusaders were really suffering. So, you know, 
I do have some question marks about where he is, and there's, there's plenty of times you kind of go, where is Folau? Why, like, why isn't there that, that covering full uh, fullback tackle happening? Now, maybe someone's going to pipe up and say, well, that's because you know they're playing a different system and Folau isn't sweeping or whatever, but I don't think that's always the case. So anyway, I've, I've just got question marks there. Someone needs to do some analysis on that and prove me right or wrong. Yeah, that's interesting, mate. Because I, yeah, I I've been a supporter of him and, and called him that automatic selection for a while. I'm not as convinced anymore for, for very similar reasons. So, and, and as much because we've got alternatives, I think, particularly on the wing now. You know, if you put DHP at fullback, there are wings coming out of the out of our woodwork, the woodwork for uh, the first time in a while, which we might touch on. So we'll look at that now. So we've we've berated some wallabies there, or, or at least put some on the um, on the last chance list. But let's look at some of those up and comers. Some of the guys who haven't played uh, for the Wallabies yet and who's impressed you this first couple of rounds. Uh, Hugh, once again, I'll start with you, mate. Well, look, I, I suppose we've got to stick to our theme today and go go out some of those players in the Western Force team. Yep. Um, I think we've seen Chance Penny um, and Curtis Rona being um, two blokes that I think have caught the eye um, in, in the early weeks. And then I, th- I suppose going back to um, Tolu Latu for the Waratahs. I think that, to me, have been the guys that have caught my eye. I, I um, yeah, I was trying to think of any particular Brumbies. Actually, I think Aiden Toe has been pretty good um, in the early weeks, and he's been a player that's been there or thereabouts in Australian rugby for what seems like 10 years. But, um, uh, you know, he had a stint at the Reds and then is now with the Brumbies. But um, I, I feel like he, if he can stay healthy, and that's always been his his um, sort of Achilles heel, so to speak. Yeah, indeed, um, yeah. If he can stay healthy, he might be able to... Um, he just looks to have be starting to get some of that... Uh, old form back. Yeah. Matt, what about you? Any any eye-catching ones? Yeah, look, actually, yeah, the two players, you mentioned one of them. I thought Chance Penny. Um, mm. Haven't seen somebody with that kind of burst of pace um, for a long time. You know, it was just kind of electric, wasn't it? Um, and, you know, left some other uh, backline defence for dead. And then the other player, I think you might have hinted at there um, as well, Rich, was the guy who was playing 10. Is it her way... Hawera, what's his um, for Yeah, the for the Brumbies. Yeah, I thought, look, yeah. you know, not the finished product um, by any stretch, but again, had this real turn of pace and a, a attacking flair that I thought, I knew absolutely nothing about the kid and was like, who, who the hell is this at 10? Um, is, is the background, is he a Kiwi? Yeah, he is, mate. Oh, uh, bugger. But like, how, yeah. how Kiwi are we talking here? Are we... Sakopi Kepu Kiwi or uh, <laughs> Bashup, what's his name, Kiwi? Yeah, I think he's Garden Bashup Ferrari. Uh, bugger. Okay. <laughs> he's Garden Bashup Ferrari. So, talking yeah, about well, Garden Bashup Ferrari, has that guy, has he done anything that hasn't been a shocker? Like, <laughs> he, he has had an absolute nightmare. Like, every single touch yeah, that it. I've seen him play for the Rebels has just been an unmitigated disaster. I mean, I let's think, let's dig into the... Called, can I just say someone called him more garden than Bashup, which I thought, <laughs> thought was a pretty good line. <laughs> what a bloody fast that was! We haven't we haven't given them enough of a serve. I mean, Tony oh, McGann aside, yep. he's doing a Tony McGann aside because he's doing a great <laughs> job. But the the players, I mean, they lost by eighty five to the Crusaders last year, and that was an embarrassingly poor effort. They then they come out and serve up two absolute shockers in a row where they just give up. You know, it, it's it, there's some. I mean, I think Matt, you touched on it. Nick Sturzak is the captain. I mean, let's get some old heads down there, can we? Can we get some mm. some experienced blokes to to 
you know, I don't, don't care where you get them from. Pull them out of retirement. Pull pull Richard Brown out of retirement. Let's get him out there. Let's get some <laughs> yeah. of these old stages from. They've got a bit of ticker in them. Mm. To, to to Tommy Carter. Get Tommy Carter. Oh, Real should be having him on a million dollars. Put him not. in there and. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're the type of blokes they need. They're the type of blokes that have been propping up the force for years. And they're not great at rugby, but, geez, they've got some ticker. Yeah. Um, and it just seems like it's oh, what they want. Yeah, it's sort of Matt, Matt Hodgson, mate. Let, let Matt oh. Hodgson loose on their asses. That would whip that whole team into line. What? I tell you, look, I, I watched that game, and I was like, these guys are absolutely phoning it in. And yeah. it, it's not often you can say that. You, you don't often see that, I don't think, um, in Super Rugby or from an Aussie team in, in Super Rugby, there were guys, and you were watching them run away from, you know, get out of the way of contact. Um, Corbietti, he he was he had no idea what, where he was, what he was doing, how he was doing it. That was mate. He's a wallaby, mate. Leave him alone. He's a wallaby. <laughs> Remember, we picked him on the wallaby tour oh, last year. Oh my god! And then the other guy who was clearly not in a happy place um, was his Debrasini. He yeah, oh, yeah he, he needs to change his Oh, we yeah, need to get shame, him somewhere else. This is the shame of the Rebels. You just wonder if these were all potentially great Wallabies that have just been... Sturzacker included, you know? I yeah, mean, yeah. Have they been just completely um, ruined by whatever's happening down there? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, well, they've got a bye weekend this weekend. Then I think are they playing the bloody Chiefs the week after that. So they're not in for an easy round. It would be interesting to follow these guys on Instagram this weekend, what they do on their weekend off. I, I hope we see lots of them on the plane, training ground, uh, putting in the hard yards and no sort of Melbourne cafe latte drinking sort of thing because they, they need to, to they get amongst it pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, look, just a couple of quick names. Yeah. Penny and Rona for the force. Billy Meeks is the other guy I thought's been really good. He was uh, come from I think Gloucester in the off season. He's a former Aussie Sevens rep. I thought he was great for the force as well. Um, Edo Nabuli, which finally saw some mm-hmm. some meters from it. I think we talked about Duncan Payua last week. He was good as well. Um, I think there yeah, Parisi looked good in his couple of five. I think five minutes at the end there, and he, he's a good chance of starting this week. Then just uh, from the um, the Brumbies, the only one there I wanted to make, mention was that Nick Mayhew, who's the loose head prop, who I thought was pretty good. Um, and Chris Alcock still gets through a pile of work at seven. He's no David yeah. Pocock, but he's still yeah. busy. And the one Rebel I've seen who looks good this year was that young Jack Maddox, who was the the superstar from the under-20s last year. New South Wales, obviously, was a first-class cricketer as well. He played that first game on the wing, and he looked good, but he was obviously dropped last week. But uh, that's a shame for him. But, uh, yeah, maybe one little glimmer of hope for them. Um, look, let's. Uh, we've only got a few minutes left. Let's quickly run through this game and uh, the games this weekend and the games just focus on the ones where the Aussies are playing. So, geez, I hope I've got this right. The Brumbies are playing the Force. Is that Yeah, Brumbies playing the Force Friday night. Hugh, um, you reckon the Force can uh, win away from home? Um, potentially, yeah. wouldn't put it past them. That's a tough one to tip, actually. And I, just quickly before we start the tips, I get a lot of people asking me, there's a... The person leading the, um, the Green and Gold Rugby tipping comp um, is a user by the name of HCAV, and there people ask me if, it, if it's me. And it actually, yeah, it is. It is. Um, <laughs> 17, 17 out of 18 uh, so far this, this year. So, um, hell. yeah, just thought I'd clear up the record there. You must be really proud, mate. That's excellent. <laughs> Getting inundated with questions. Look, mate. Um, yeah, well, uh, I, well, Matt, I think it's 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 ten grand, ten grand for the winner this year, isn't it? Is it the, <laughs> the standard prize. Yeah, it's a it's a tripling of pay. 
Um, <laughs> look, uh, look. As the West Coast Elitist podcast, uh, there's only one team to tip there, and that's the Western Force. Uh, the Force. Mm. Uh, Red, Reds v Crusaders. Any chance up here at Suncorp Stadium? Do you give us Matt? Yeah, go on. I think yeah, you know, the, the Reds are you know a bit of the Crusader hoodoo, I think, especially at Suncorp. So, yeah. um, if you to... just, if, and if you count the year 2011, yeah, exactly. Time to squint the eyes and you know see the Reds yeah, um, turn around there. I think if we can get Bryce Lawrence refing this one, that might it might be a <laughs> better chance for the Reds. But uh, I'm tipping the Crusaders. Yeah. yeah, I'll be interested to see the teams named on that one. Whether they make many changes from last week, but uh, I'll, I'll tip the Reds. But I'm uh, not entirely confident. And then in that case, we'll both the... be wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Uh, and then we've got the Shark Waratah, Sharks Waratahs over there in uh, Durban late Saturday night, sometime in Western Australia time. It's probably in the middle of the night. Um, you give the Tars much hope there, Hugh? Can they bounce back? I know Foley's a massive loss, isn't he? But I yeah, guess Foley's a massive loss. Um, I think the Tars have got a chance. I, I think the Sharks look really good against the Brumbies. And that second yeah. half, they really fought back into that game well. And, and that try, I mean, we haven't really talked about that try after the siren. I mean, it was a oh. sensational try. I don't think the Brumbies did too much wrong there. Um, but, um, yeah, look, I, I'll, I'll be tipping the Sharks. Um, but I think it might be a close one. Matt, what about you, mate? Well, mate, I didn't even watch the Waratahs last game yet. I got kind of started, but knowing what was coming, because, you know, you knew what the score was going to be, I couldn't put mm. myself through it. Um, Hugh, just how bad was it? It wasn't too bad. It wasn't yeah. too bad. It got away from them in the second half, but it was a, it was a close game for, for 50, 60 minutes. Yeah, okay. Um, look, yeah, I, look, I think we're missing too many key players um, against the Sharks there at home. So, yeah, absolutely no chance. Yeah, it's interesting. The Sharks are the one that have travelled for this one, so that might have add some dynamic to it. But uh, yeah, I think the Sharks will take this one away. Um, and that pretty much wraps us up, guys. Uh, thanks to Matt and Hugh for coming on the show once again. Right, always a pleasure. And thanks to Bruce Wilkinson again for his uh, thoughts. And we'll try to give you, a, bring you a few different voices this uh, coming weeks. Um, once again, thanks to our listeners on Eon Sports Radio, and uh, to everyone else listening, get out there, enjoy the rugby, and we'll speak to you soon. Oh. Um.